closing time open all the doors and let you out into the world closing time turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl closing time one last call for alcohol so finish your whiskey or beer Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay Welcome to Talkin' Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got our offensive undrafted free agent review. we got six guys on offense. We'll hit the 10 guys on defense on Monday's show. We actually have a lot to get to in this show, Justin. Um, we got Chris Pettit and a few of uh, the members of the gang are fired. Uh, James Bradbury, we're going to talk about that because it seems like it's going to happen before the next time we record. Um, the UDFAs. And we are... Uh, and having our fifth member of the Talking Giants Ring of Honor uh, inducted at the end of the episode. Justin, how you feeling, man? It feels good to be back home in Florida. Oh, there's so much to do. Bobby Skinner, I just thought we would come into today, talk about these offensive UDFAs. We'll have one more episode where we talk about the defensive UDFAs, and then we get to have some fun. We get to have some interviews, talk with some old friends, talk with some new friends, just go into the summer, but no. Bobby, there's so much to do. I'm like overwhelmed on how much we have to talk about this episode. I'm doing great. Glad to be home. Glad to be talking with our Patreon like we normally do. Getting back to the routine. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be back home. Good to get some actual sleep. The, I, I feel like we haven't connected with our audience a ton the past week because we just were so nonstop. Go, go, go. And we still got a good amount of work to do for the next week, but not as, as insane. But again, I love doing these undrafted uh, reviews. I think these episodes make anyone who's listening a much smarter fan because you get to go into the preseason and, and like know about these guys. You know, when when we when me and Danny did these in 2019, we were the only people that did it, and I don't think anyone really else does either. Um, you know, so it's like yeah, I, I really take pride in doing these, and you find some cool information. You you get a good feeling of these guys, and you you kind of have like eh, I think these guys are going to make the roster because Justin. One of these 16 guys, six on offense that we're talking about today, they're going to, it's going to be a week 12 game and they're going to be playing. Mm. They're going to be playing important reps for the New York Giants. So I do think it's important to kind of get to know these guys and, and what to expect out of What, them. how many were UDFAs last year, Bobby? How many did we sign? Well, we only had, we only had three last year and Raymond Johnson made he the made 53 the roster. man roster. And, and it's funny, we said at the that. the most stacked position on the roster, which was defensive tackle. And we did say that, you know, hey, during that, you know, those that I think we only had one UDFA episode last year, didn't even have enough to split it up into offensive or defensive. And we said Raymond Johnson's good. Or I mean, I really liked him. Raymond Johnson's good. He's 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 probably going to make this roster. And then lo and behold, he did. So tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hang on tight. All right. All right, Justin, before we get into that, this episode was brought to you by some special mo- members who we did ignore last week. We didn't announce them. They are Jack. Just just simple Jack. His mm. uh, This head movie makes his eyes rain. Luke Paquette. Luke Paquetti. Adam Present or Present. Thank you. Chris Butler. He's a but- he's actually not a butler, uh, but his family when the 1800s the family, were actually yeah. where they were butlers. Mm-hmm. Aaron Parker. 
uh you know peter parker mark Masera, friend of the show he's uh does some hunting content he's a good dude wow. chris anorne when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie it's that's, chris anorne that's more dh amin what do you think dh stands for designated hitter um how about dopey hat like mm. he just has these dopey hats he you wears you have a dopey hat on jeffrey mueller which i feel like that's isn't it like the mueller report Yes, it's that's something. That's something that exists. Jeffrey Mueller. This Who is, is the Jeffrey same person. Mueller? The host of that show. He's a doctor in Winter Park, so that's a different Jeffrey wow. Mueller. Wow, okay. I uh, do need a doctor. I need a primary care doctor. Now that I'm like an adult. Michael with no last name. Michael, Michael, motorcycle, turn the key and watch him pee. Daniel Featherson, Sean Featherson's son. Christian Ferrari. He does actually doesn't own a Ferrari. He's too no, poor. Tough. But he, he Actually, no, he's rich. He does own a Ferrari. He's part of the world beater tier. Travis L. Travis L is a friend of the show. He took some L's, though. Jared Smyers. He works for Oscar Myers Wieners. Justin, who are these people? If you have the last name Ferrari, you don't want to own a Ferrari. Because then it's just you're buying into that last name, the stereotype. I get it. So you own a Corvette. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Two dollars a month plus some other tiers like the World Beater tier. You can support us and also get some nice perks. Hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets in the mail. Then even And twice if you a haven't month. gotten them, you will get them. I've been yes. behind. Bobby Skinner has been in Manhattan. Uh, and then twice a month, uh, Bobby Skinner uh, does some shirt raffles and you could win some shirts patreon.com slash talking giants thanks for our patrons all right justin let's get into this news we got a lot to get to oh so and much we'll, we'll start at the top the giants fired some people after the draft on monday afternoon they fired chris pettit the director of college scouting which is a very huge position um within a front office and then they fired kyle o'brien who's a senior personnel executive he was only with the team since 2021 remember he was he, he was picked up last year yeah um and he was gonna be the new Ma- gm in in march i believe <laughs> uh and then they also fired uh, their senior uh, pro scouting executive, Ken Sturfield, who had been with the team since 2002. Oh. And then Matt Shoger, who had been with the team since 2005 as a senior pro scout. Justin, uh, it's kind of hard to like evaluate these guys without, you know, reading. There's, you know, there's tea leaves we can read and stuff. But at the end of the day, our conspiracy theory, and again, we don't like to speculate. I think a lot of times there's a lot of fan fiction and overthinking on stuff. Um, and it's like, what, is, what does this mean of the draft? And sometimes like they're just trying to draft the best players. But it really did seem like Joe Shane relied on his experience from Buffalo, like his, his time scouting and stuff from the Buffalo, and his coaches, and just like his in-person uh, experiences with this draft class. You know, we, we had that conspiracy theory on Monday. And we said it'd be proved true if we see some firings this week. And we got those. And it, I think it really does hold water that Joe Shane didn't trust Chris Pettit in this. And, you know, and obviously you couldn't, fi- it didn't make sense to fire him uh, in, in January when, uh, when Joe Shane was hired, but I, I, he did not trust people in this building. In and the that building. sucks. And that sucks for Shane, right? The fact that he has to come in here and, you know, we talked about when Shane was hired about just the behind the scenes things that he had to do with technology in the building and probably the language that he speaks about, whether it's equipment, data used, whatever, with all these people that have literally been here since before Eli Manning was quarterback or, you know, Eli Manning's rookie year. That's when Chris Pettit joined the organization was 2004. All these people that have been here and they're dinosaurs and it's not even exaggerating. I'm not even being like a sour fan. Like th- these people are dinosaurs that have been here for two decades plus. And Joe Shane comes in here speaking a certain kind of language, but probably data driven, and they don't know it. So that that sucks for him. 
And it also makes me feel a little uneasy just about this draft class in general because it's not even his fault. It's just, well, he doesn't have reliable people to give him reliable information. So it makes me concerned about this draft class and the process, even though, like, hey, we're, we're looking at these players, we're breaking down these players, uh, we're, feeling, we're, feeling, we're feeling solid about them. You know, there's athletic upside and whatnot. But also think about it like this too, Bobby. The human element of <laughs> all this is that, like, guys like Chris Pettit, O'Brien, the scouts, this guy's hired, and you think about, Okay, I'm probably going to lose my job. Maybe not. I'm going to try. I'm going to work my ass off. Less than 48 hours after your biggest event of the year, you get canned. <laughs> it's just like, that's tough. <laughs> it's tough, man. Yeah, well, supposedly a lot of people didn't like Chris Pettit, so no, I don't I think have he's much a sympathy for him. I think he's a prick. Um, I think he was one of those guys that... And he's been bad at his job. Yeah, yeah he's been bad at those jobs, but I also That's think he's one of those... That's why Joe Shane fired him, is because he thinks he's bad at his job. Tim uh, Tim McDonald, him and were very close. So if they thought he was good at his job, they'd have kept him. They thought he was bad at his job. But I also think it's one of those things where, hey, if that autopsy, that four-part autopsy uh, piece that was written on the Giants in November or December, if that's true, which it does look like it was true, I think it really angered John Mara. Um, if that if that stuff is all true, then um, uh, Chris Pettit, nice guy, kind of climbing up the ranks, and then once he gets the job, or at least somewhat of a big job, that he kind of feels like he makes it, starts being a dick to people. I mean, I, I got no sympathy for for people like that. What you're gonna be, you know, what you're gonna be fake. You're gonna be fake either being nice or you're actually or you're genuinely a nice person, but then you have your title and then you're gonna be a dick because you feel entitled. Like uh, I can't stand that. So yeah, I also don't care about that stuff as much. I just care: are you good at uh, scouting calls? I think they could go hand in hand though. Like if you're bad at your job and you're still being a dick to people, then that's even a worse look. If you were just humble, if you're humbly bad. Yeah, I just I'm just glad he's fired because I uh, it seems he's not good at his job. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like he was bad at his job. So. Um, good. I'm excited to see the people and where, you know, where they come from that Joe Shane will bring in, uh, you know, director of college scouting is a very big, uh, uh, title, you know? So I think they can, it's going to go, you know, it's going to be someone that's, you know, again, young and inspiring, uh, aspiring to, you know, get to an assistant GM and GM. So I'm excited to see where they come from, wherever they come from. We won't have a ton of information on them anyways, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because you just don't know what happens behind the, the scenes. Like, we could do as much Brandon Brown research as we want. We don't exactly know how good or, or bad he is as at evaluating talent and getting it on the on the team. I don't even think it's worth asking the question, how does this make you feel about this draft class? Because I don't know if there is an answer to that. But if Joe Shane somehow makes this draft class a good draft class, or if these players wind up being good, right? Because it's ultimately on them now. These players wind up being solid players, and we look back at this draft class saying this is a good draft class with such a lack of, again, a lack of good, reliable people in the building that Joe Shane has. Man, will that will that be quite an impressive and impressive feat to get in here and to have 11 picks and have some of them be solid? Um, will that be such a positive mark on Joe Shane's resume and just wait till he hopefully can get some good people in here. But until then, until we know the answer about how these guys kind of play, I am worried about that. I am worried about the lack of reliable information and the and the lack of reliable people that are in the building. I am worried about that. Well, if people want to uh, figure out what these players are going to be, go check out the Giants draft recap. We did an hour and 20 minutes. It was a very good episode, I, yeah. I thought. Uh, I didn't ask for freaking reviews. I'm so pissed off at myself. I forgot to ask to listen for five star like, rate. I was like, relax. No, I was very ticked off. Like it ruined the next hour for me, and that hour is like three thirty in the morning. Um, 
All right, Justin, we're going to talk about James Bradbury because Joe Shane said on on uh, Carton and Roberts that he's that the James Bradbury situation will be resolved before uh, the end of the week. So let's just we have ten UDFA's on 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 Monday's episode. Let's just so let's just talk about James Bradbury under the assumption that he's cut because that's what it seems like it's going to be is that he's cut. Everything is is going that way. Um, listen, it's it's a it's. It sucks, you know. They exhaust Joe Shane exhausted everything that he could try and do. He didn't get any offers, and it seems like they're going to cut him for nothing. Did he not get offers? I mean, what's the difference between saying that there's been phone calls and there's been offers? Just because you're getting phone calls doesn't mean you're getting offers, right? Okay, but also he said that pre-draft, and I don't think he would. I I think a good lie to the media would be to say that hey, we're getting calls on him instead of like no, actually no one's calling and no one's interested. So I don't I don't take that quote. I don't I don't put any weight on that quote. It does suck. I mean that that's that's the bottom line. I I I feel like I want to be mad. I want to feel like I want to be mad that a deal wasn't made cuz Bradbury is a good player. I feel like for a team that needs a cornerback and I'm talking about needs a cornerback and there are teams out there that do need one. I feel like even if the Giants were to eat some of the salary that still that still should be something that is appetizing to another team. I want to be mad at the fact that he wasn't dealt, and if he is just going to be released, that's really going to suck. Like, it's really going to suck, especially when you look at the Giants' depth chart right now at their cornerback spot. Which I do want to look at. But I feel like I would just be searching for a reason to get mad and not being reasonable. Well, it's just, I mean, what else could he have done? Now, here's where if you want to really get into it, it's like, well, why are we keeping Saquon's cap on the that's, roster? That's part of it, yes. Well, like... James Bradbury would be much more important to future success or this year's success than James Bradbury. Yes, like that, that's that, part of it for me. I think that's a, a very valid point. But again, I just want to look at it. And again, it sounds good. We're nice and young right now, right now. But in this season, their cornerback's a huge issue. Yes, and Dory Jackson is your cornerback one, which isn't uh, a problem. You know, it's not the best situation, but it's not a problem. He was great last year. He played cornerback one and done all right in Tennessee. I think he's going to fit Wink very well too. Yeah, but at the same time, Adore Jackson doesn't play full seasons. So when he goes down, it's a mess. But when he's even in there, it's a mess. You have the last three years they drafted slot corners and Darnay, Aaron Robinson, and Cordell Flott. Uh, Flott, I think, has the best ability to play outside of all those guys, but he's not going to be ready year one. No, he's just uh, 175 pounds. <laughs> Rodarius Williams, who was a six-round pick in 2021, um, who came in and did all right under Patrick Graham, uh, he's coming off a 20 ACL, and he's old. You know, people forget he was an older draft pick. He was, was he like, like 20, 26 right now? 27? Yeah. yeah. Jaron Williams, that's it for the corners. And then right now we only have three safeties on the roster too. You know, we have Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and Dane Belton. Those are the only three safeties on the roster. So uh, this secondary is going to suck this year. Like, uh, And bra- just brace for it. Remember that, you know, it's part of a rebuild because I, f- I do kind of feel bad for Wink Martindale that he's coming to this team. And for the, at least for the first year, it's going to suck, and fans will not be reasonable, uh, no matter how, no matter what. Looking at the situation, so it just sucks that they're in this situation. It sucks that they threw they wasted money on you know a Devonte Booker with a million dollars guaranteed here, Kyle Rudolph the a little bit like all those little contracts, uh, you know those guarantees are hurting this team now, and you're going to have a really really bad secondary. It's not Joe Shane's fault. It's uh, the previous regime's fault, right? The one. You know, point that you can point to is well, why cut Logan Ryan? That's that's something that you can point to. Yeah, that still doesn't make sense to this day. 
Because especially uh, you're going to have that. I don't care how much of a not a scheme fit, which, again, I don't agree at that point. Uh, I guarantee it's a better scheme fit than Dane Belton right now. Yep, I agree. You're going to have Dane Belton you know, give up a, give up a touchdown. And, you know, hey, Logan Ryan's not great, but I'd rather have him give up a touchdown because he's probably going to do it less often than Dane Belton, rookie, late day three pick. All right. All right, Justin. Um, we're going to get into these offensive beauty of phase. But first... Justin, this episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Mm. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, one, figure it the hell out. They're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the apps on our phones. I use them all the time. I'm gonna We use them for the NASCAR race coming up. I mean, it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, ho- hockey. You know, you can watch the, the Rangers hockey. lose. Playoffs. Um. I just don't care. If the Devils aren't in the playoffs, I don't care enough to trash talk um, hockey fans. Um, SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. Pretty simple, right? Every ticket, on, unless you're colorblind, then it's a little more struggle. But then they have the little number next to it. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin, are you ready for our offensive UDFAs? I'm ready, baby. I'm very ready. I, I love these episodes. I really do. I've I, I've probably re- repeat that 20 times in this podcast, but I do love doing these episodes. So we have six on offense. And the offensive ones, let's be real, Justin, they're more fun than the defensive ones. I agree. Yeah. Um, And we're going to start with a guy, Justin, that I had in my uh, uh draft month mock draft. It was the mm. sixth round. This was a guy that Monte Cristo on Twitter, by the way, did some really good Twitter sleuthing to find out that Joe Shane said we like this guy at the combine, and that is Austin Allen, tight end out of Nebraska, who's six foot eight. Six foot eight? What? Yeah, the man is huge. Six foot eight, two hundred fifty three pounds. Uh, ran a four eight three forty thirty four inch vertical jump and a four two six shuttle at the combine. Uh, this past year for Nebraska, he had six hundred yards on thirty eight catches. Justin, I think he he has a huge frame. I don't think. He has a huge frame, and he knows how to use it. Um, that being said, he's not a good athlete. Like, the 4'8", 340 does show up on film. Uh, but I think he, with his size, like, it's good It's it's all, it's all good enough with his size. Um, and for a guy that size, you'd be surprised. Like, he blocks well in space. Like, whether it's the wham, you, uh, the lead blocker, you put him out on the perimeter, that's where he's good. He's actually better blocking in space than he is uh in line like i think he needs to add more strength to hold up in line like he just uh he doesn't have like those great single blocks but he works angles pretty well um but that being said he is slow uh you know like and 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 more so slow like i actually like if if you're slow but you you kind of play at a good pace off the line of scrimmage that's not an issue for me but alan he is very slow and lumbering off the ball like it's it's but he's kind of got like the buildup speed is is all right, you know. So that's a little worse. Like that's why he's a UDFA, Justin, is because he is very slow off of the line of scrimmage. Um, his route running is it isn't crisp or quick. Uh, that being said, he catches everything thrown his way, and and he may not be an amazing le- leaper, but he does high point the ball really well. Um, most of his damage at Nebraska came in like these block and release situations. Um, so Justin, I think he just needs to add more strength. 
to be a guy to make a, a, an NFL roster and play, like I think he that should be his goal is to add more strength and kind of be the Levine Toilolo guy who lasts in the NFL for eight nine years. For that, I think that's the path for Austin Allen to be in the NFL for a long time. I think he has a little bit more athletic upside than Levine Toilolo. No, yes, he has. Like if you're running a seam, Austin Allen's better than Levine Toilolo. But he's but like Levine Toilolo, he's very slow and lumbering off the off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But he's also not as good of a blocker as Levine. He doesn't have that he doesn't have the same strength as Levine. Yeah. I called him a sneaky good athlete, and maybe it's just because of the production. He had five catches of thirty plus yards in twenty twenty one, whereas uh, the couple years before, I don't, I don't even think he broke three catches of 30-plus yards in all of his previous years before this year, but he did have five catches of 30-plus yards this year. 71.1% of catches went for a first down or a touchdown. That's pretty, pretty solid. I think that's better than Daniel Bellinger. But I think it's you have to look at the the you know the contrast between Austin Allen, where I think Nebraska actually kind of you know, used them. They gave him volume. They gave him production. Whereas San Diego State with Daniel Bellinger really kind of held him back a little bit. I would have loved to see if the roles were kind of reversed, what that would look like. One drop in 2021. So Bobby talked about his sure hands. Uh, one red zone reception in 2021. I feel like Austin Allen can be a could be a red zone weapon. I feel like he can be a contested catch guy where if you do want to throw something up to him, I feel like he can be kind of a matchup nightmare down there um, in, in the red zone if, if he's going to get that opportunity. Um, I do think he has that contested catch potential. Used well at the seams at Nebraska. Reliable hands. He catches the ball with his hands and not his body. Um, goes up and he gets the football. He's willing to take on contact too. If you watch some of the highlights and stuff, you're going to see that he's willing to go up and, and absorb some contact, high point that football and come down with it. So uh, I like Austin Allen. I think he does need more uh, technicality as a blocker. I think he could be a little too wild sometimes, a little leading too much. But hey, I'd rather I'd rather hone that down a little bit rather than somebody who's just not willing to go out and block in space. So Austin Allen, I hope he's competing for tight end three come this training camp. I mean, he's the second best blocker on the team right now at tight end behind yeah. Daniel Bellinger. You know, Aikens and, and Ricky Seal Jones are, are worse than him. And naturally, um, just because of his size, too. He's a big, big dude, you know? That's yeah. And, and like I said, like you'd be some, you, th- you think six foot eight guys, like, oh, he can't move as a blocker. Like, no, like he actually blocked pretty well in space. Like I said, whether it's wham blocking, lead blocking, or, or out on the perimeter. Um, Again, I, he'll never be a real receiving threat in the NFL, just to me, because he's just so slow and lumbering off the ball. Um, but uh, I, I, he can be a depth tight end for for t- uh, time in the NFL, Justin. Yeah, like, I I, think like he, you said, I, I am rooting for one of Ricky Seals Jones or Aikens to not be on the team in Austin Allen to make it, even though I don't think I, I, I'm not predicting that. Yeah, I think he should compete for tight end three. I'm not calling him for tight end three. I think he should compete. I think it's Ricky Seals Jones at tight end two. Um, Daniel Bellinger tight end one or flip-flop those two guys depending on the situation, right? Daniel Bellinger is going to be more of your your running down, run down situation guy, your first and second down guy. Maybe Ricky Seals-Jones is your third down guy, right? Um, so those two guys are your first two tight ends. And then I want um, Austin Allen competing for tight end three. And if you have to stash him away on the practice squad um, and release him, I hope he actually makes it to the practice squad for the Giants. Right, yeah. I mean, again, I had him, you know, as that as that six round pick. It wasn't a pick I love, but I, I kind of was like, I went through this whole draft, didn't pick a tight end. Here's Austin Allen, um, and we knew the Giants liked him, um, you know, at, at that size. So, uh, and, and, and guys, tight ends do get better at blocking in the NFL. They really do, as long as they're putting in the effort. Um, so I do, I do see him getting better as that blocker. Yeah. And as long as maybe a- they're not two hundred and thirty pounds. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about like guys who kind of have some type of blocking profile, not yeah. not the guys who are like, no, they just don't block. You know, yep. the Ricky Seals Jones of the worlds. Yep. Um. So Austin Allen, we hit him first. He was he was a popular name when when it happened. All right, next on this list, Justin Ross. No, um, tough. I know. I wish it would have been fun, even though it would have been annoying when he like ultimately got cut. All right, next on the list, Justin. You know where this guy's from? Brevard County. What? He's a hometown hero. And that's Deshaun Corbin, running back out of FSU. 5'11", 202 pounds. Uh, at his pro day, ran a 4'3", shuttle, 6'9", three-cone drill. I don't know if I necessarily believe those numbers. Um, but he put up good production uh, for FSU. And he transferred from Texas A&M at 20, after 2019. But he had 6.2 yards of pop this past year, uh, almost 900 yards. Um he he looked like he looked good for FSU, you know. Um, I think if you're just talking about ability, like just like ability, if it wasn't about like the current death charge from the Giants, I think Deshaun Corbin would probably have the best chance out of out of any of these guys. Um, he's a one speed runner, Justin, with pretty solid vision. Um, I here's my thing with Deshaun, uh, and this is a good thing because a lot of times the player is fun and it's not good. He's I think he's a solid back, but he lacks that one trait you get excited about. You know, like what, like what's that one trait about Deshaun Corbin that you get excited about? Like, there's good traits, um, but anyways, his speed is fine to be an NFL running back, especially uh, once he gets to the, that. You know, that second gear is pretty nice. Um, strength to run through contact, but I, I do think Justin he needs to have more forward lean. Like he kind of, there's times where he'll be in the hole and he's running straight up and down. I would like to see him have that forward lean more. Although you do see the strength and the contact balance. Um, here's the thing that I noticed that I thought was the best, Justin. You can tell me if you agree. I thought he had some really nice lateral cult cuts, you know, like that Notre Dame touchdown run, like in the hole, in in the hall, in the hole, and he's got someone lined up, and he you know breaks them down. Bam! He needs some more bursts out of them, but I think the cuts are nice, and those those cuts will add to, you know, maybe add sometimes will add twenty yards, sometimes will add three yards, but I do think those are uh, important. Um, he can be a bit hesitant when there's immediate penetration. Uh, you know, when there's an offensive line get blown up, he can be a little uh, hesitant. Um, but I, I overall, I think he's got good vi- vision and pace. Um, he'll bounce when he has the opportunity. Um, he actually had some route running uh, experience at wide receiver at FSU. Um, not great, but like they did line up at wide. In fact, you know, both Kyle Hamilton's interceptions versus FSU. Corbin was targeted on both. The first Whoa. one, he was wide open and it wasn't his fault. It was the what best quarterback's fault. The second one, he ran... Um, a post corner and it was a bad route and Kyle Hamilton played it really good. Um, but he did have a few drops on screens that I saw. Uh, and, and he lost his footing a couple times. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, but Justin, and, and I think he blocks well. He, there's one play versus Clemson. He got blown up, but I do think he blocks well. Justin with his ability and the, the state of the roster for Giants RB3, Hell, even RB two. When you think about it, like how how much how much do they love Matt Breida? Even though I think he's clearly ahead of all the other guys, uh, Corbin's got a good chance to be on the roster, Justin. If they want to implement more outside zone stuff, I don't know if Corbin's gonna really fit that. I mean, he's patient, uh, so I, I guess that's a that's a plus. And I think Corbin's gonna be the kind of back where Wayne Gallman type of stats. Not I'm not gonna call him a Wayne Gallman type of runner, but. A guy that you're basically going to be looking at three to five yards. Three to five yards. And if you pop something off, and if something pops off, then hey, it'll go for 20, 25 yards. I don't know if he has that long speed to really break a run. However, though, 
I mean, he did have two of the longest runs in the ACC this year. It was that 75-yarder and that 89-yarder against Notre Dame. So, I mean, I'm saying that, you know, we have the evaluation of that, hey, he doesn't have that long speed to really break runs, but he did have two of the longest runs in the ACC this year. So I think he's good when he gets to that second gear, but it's like you don't, you don't like, you know, between zero to ten yards, you don't see like that burst that you see where it's like, man, no. like like Matt Breed is like, man, you see that burst. Corbin, you don't really see it. He's elusive. Um, he's elusive. You're talking about the lateral movement, and that's that's one of my my main notes that I have, and why I also think he can be an efficient runner because that's what Wayne Gallman was. He's always falling forward, and he's always. Uh, battling and churning his legs after he gets hit and after contact. Right. So that's huge. And the, there's two there's two set of plays that I want to talk about, Bobby, and it's both against Notre Dame. So you talk about the 89-yarder, great, big explosive play. But what I want my running back to do is this. It's a third and five. Kind of wild that FSU is down by, I think, one or two scores, and they're going out of shock. They're going out of the Wildcat. Okay. So third and five, Corbin's out of the Wildcat. Gets hit at the line of scrimmage. Churns his leg, churns his leg, churns his legs. You know, kind of a couple guys fall off of him, but then two guys are on him. He winds up turning probably a negative gain or a no gain into a three yard gain on a third and on a on a to make it a fourth and two on a on a third and five. So what does Florida State do? Now they can go for it. They're gonna they're gonna line up Corbin at the Wildcat again. You're thinking, whoa, what are, what is this team doing? What is this team doing? Snap the ball. He gets the ball. He's not throwing it. He's running it. Kind of doesn't see anything at first. But then, boom, cuts, makes a guy miss, falls forward against another defender, first down, new set of downs, new life for Florida State. So that's the type of balance that I like to see out of my running back. Hey, let's fight for some yards. You don't need to be Brandon Jacobs. Fight for some yards. Don't give up on a play. Churn your legs. And when a team needs you to pick up a first down in a short yardage situation, when a team needs to be efficient, be it. Corbin is that. Yeah, and I think he, and with all that, like he, like you said, like like he fights through contact, his legs he trying. I think he could bring some more lean and play behind his pads a little more. Like I think he has the strength to play behind those pads a little more. Um, so here's so let's do it quick. Saquon Brita one two. I still like a tan- Antonio Williams better than him, um, but I like I like Corbin much more than I do Gary Brightwell. Steve. Oh, here he goes. Damn it! And I talked, so that means you can't see him. Oh, he's sneezing. How about this? So he's gonna he's gonna sneeze, and I kind of want to watch him and laugh. I think it's gonna be a camp battle. I think it should be a camp battle. I'm well, not yes, even gonna, definitely. I'm not even gonna say right now who I prefer, but I am gonna kind of take the cop out of say who you look, prefer. Whoever looks better in camp and whoever looks better in the preseason, um, that is gonna who I want to be running back three. I say Antonio Williams as a personal bias, just because I really like him and I think he actually likes me, but. As an unbiased perspective, I'm going to say battle, battle it out in camp. So that means Corbin, but I actually like Antonio. Like no, like I, I think Antonio Williams. I think I think a little better. But if it's close, you go Corbin because he's younger. Yeah, um, yeah. So if, if it's close, you I go guess. Corbin. But I, I I like Antonio Williams more than him um, at the moment. Um, you know, if, Antonio, if we were doing the you know the 2000. Uh, 19 Bills UDFA offense, I think we'd be really excited about Antonio Williams. More so than Corbin. I I mean, I do like him, like like running wise. I'm not just talking about the fact that he's like tweeted at you. Um, No, he DM'd me. He said, "Hey, my account's hacked. Can you let everybody know?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." You got you just got hacked there. Um, All right, Justin. 
Next on this list, and this guy I think has the best opportunity to play uh, to be on the Giants because of the position he plays, which is the H-back, the fullback tight and hybrid out of Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner. Jeremiah Hall, six foot one, 239 pounds. Um, had a very bad combine, honestly. Like I, When you watch him play, I thought he'd test better. It's like, he had shockingly a four, bad, his combine. Yeah, he had a four nine six forty, which is like, okay. And then, but the vertical jump, twenty nine inches. Like I thought he would, he would have a little better than that. Um, and then nineteen bench press reps. Uh, he played that H back role for the John or for uh for the Sooners. You know where they use him out. They split him out wide at times. They put him at fullback in line. Like he's an H back. You know that's what an H back is, and that's the role the Giants are looking for. And he plays with a high motor. Um. So his testing was bad, but I think he's a better athlete than what the testing assess. You know, so I don't give me his relative athletic score because I think he's a better uh, athlete than what the testing says. Bobby versus relative athletic score. Sheesh. It's a rivalry unlike any other in sports right now. Um, that being said, so let's we're talking about him as like that fullback tight end role. He doesn't have the overwhelming strength or explosion that you would want. Um, you know, and he can. I, I thought I was going to like him a lot more after watching the film. To be honest, Justin. Uh, but and he can be too hesitant as a lead blocker when it's not clear. You know, if it's not a clear path of what he's doing, he can be a little uh, hesitant, and his feet will stop, and he'll brace for contact. As sometimes as a lead blocker, instead of exploding through, um, and that's the that's the thing that I was looking for when watching Jeremiah Hall. Like I wanted to see him, you know, his feet to keep moving and just get low and explode through guys. But he does wow. get low. He fights with good leverage, and after maybe not having the great like. Uh, bringing the pop as much as you'd want to he finishes blocks really well like he keeps his feet driving and he finishes them um he seems like he's one of these guys that is looking to transition to fullback and was kind of a pass catcher weapon out of college versus the other way around like he was not a fullback at oklahoma yeah, yeah. I mean, he was kind of like a decent route runner for them. Yeah, you know? yeah like, he was. Like when you Contested when you see catches. his position, yeah. Like I kind of liked him as a route runner. And then they use him out of the backfield a bit, and he like he was like a bowling ball with the ball in his hands. Um, but like you like I mentioned before, Elijah Penny kind of was like that at first too, and he got better at those at those things, you know. So uh, obviously, there's going to be some development with Jim, uh, Jeremiah Hall. Um, when you when you put him as an inline blocker, I don't know if he'll ever won the size, and he just doesn't like can stay connected as well as you want so i i I really think it's kind of like that you know you're running the flats maybe a wheel route here and there and then you're gonna be lining up its fullback you do see the ability to be there like uh you see the strength there you see the way he finishes blocks that's like bring that into the, the the first part of the block um but for those reasons he's a udfa for reason you know like like a lot of times I'm like, you know, take a swing on these guys in the seventh round. They could be a guy in your roster. No, you, Hall's a UDFA for that reason is that he's not as polished in those things. But I think he can get better at that. Um, and again, he has the best chance to make this team just by simply he's – they said they want, you know, they want an H-back and uh, he's their H-back right now. I kind of would rather Bellinger and Austin Allen or Ricky Seals-Jones or, you know, Give me a, give me a tight end that's not usually on the football field with their hand in the ground as like my H back. I, I would rather that than have a roster spot solely dedicated to an H back. Does that make sense? No, not to me. I'm actually a big believer of that. Just even just fullback in general deserves a roster spot. Um, but they don't run with that typical fullback though. But that's I the think thing. If, I don't care if it's four or five reps a game. I think those reps are more important than having your six wide receiver or your fourth regular tight end. Um, and those guys are always going to be like they have to be special teams contributors 
um, too. Which I think Hall, he kind of has that body. Yes, you know, he, <laughs> like Jeremiah, if you're playing that position, you're going to be a big-time uh, contributor on special teams, which Jeremiah Hall will be if he makes the roster. Okay. So I actually believe, I do believe in uh, committing to that. I don't care if it's for four plays a game. I think it actually matters, and having a guy who can do that type of stuff well is an advantage. It's why I would have drafted a guy like Ben Mason in the sixth round out of, out of Michigan last year. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm still it, learning about Dable's offense and what, what he kind of prefers, and I think we're all they don't use kinda... it a lot, but I don't think. I, but if they want an H back, like I think Hall, I'd rather have Hall than, um, you know, Allen. Okay, I mean, if versatility was the name of the game for the draft class for the entire draft class. That's what a lot of. If you were to summarize the 2022 draft class in one word for the Giants, that word would be versatility. That's what a lot of people have been saying. I think Jeremiah Hall is the epitome of versatility when it comes to this UDFA class. Because I think he can line have line up and have reps at fullback. They can they can line up and have reps at tight end. And even like you know Elijah Penny last year for the Giants was like this somewhat effective running back whenever he needed to be in there. And yeah. I think Jeremiah Hall, if needed, especially as like this pass blocker on third downs. Hey, you're in here. Yeah. If you're gonna go out and you're gonna run a route, great. But we kind of want you in here to block and and handle that. I mean, hey, if we're looking at Jeremiah Hall doing that for us sometimes. Great. Add him, add him into that list. That's three different positions that we just listed that Jeremiah Hall can do. Um, just a matter of how well can he do them. So very, very versatile. He's like the epitome of versatility of this UDFA class. And, you know, you talk about like, oh, the third, t- like the, the third tight ends catches are going to be usually wide open. You know, they're not running a post or a dig. Yeah. You know, those are going to be wide open. And I'd rather, have I'd rather have Jeremiah Hall catching that ball and being in space than I would Austin Allen or, or you know, fill in the blank. Uh, you know, tight end. Yeah, he is faster. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think he, you know he just has some like like you said, he has some running back experience. So I'd rather have that guy on there. So I, I do think Jeremiah Hall has, out of all these guys, has the best chance to make the roster just simply because of his position. All right, right on. All right, Justin, why don't you read an ad and we'll get on to uh, a wide receiver from Maine. Yeah, so slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Magic Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Did you find a way to gamble when you were in New York, or did you know did that not work out for you? Uh, yeah, I figured it out. Oh, good. That's great. Very happy I won a million for you. dollars. Yeah, I won a million dollars. Million dollars. So now you are with your five hundred thousand dollars salary. Really bet now, my entire salary. You now have a net worth of one point five million. Math. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code John Boy. Bet just five dollars and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets, no matter what happens on the field. That's fun. That's promo code John Boy. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age. Uh, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with. Permission. How about that? How about it? Justin, the next guy is not a guy we're going to give you this great evaluation on, but he's fun. He's a wide receiver from all the way up in Maine, and that's Andre Miller. Not the former point guard for the Nuggets and like 20 other teams in the NBA, but Andre Miller, wide receiver for Maine. Nice body. Six foot two, 224 pounds, 32-inch arms. Nice body, huh? 
Yeah, at his pro day, he ran a four five three forty. He ran. He had a thirty seven inch vertical jump. Uh Justin, he's a contested catch guy, and I think he's like he can move pretty damn well, like for that size. Uh, you know, he had uh, six hundred eighty yards this past year on thirty nine catches in nine games, so you know, seventeen yards a pop. Um, there's some rumor that he might move to tight end, which would be interesting. He's a little. What's under- his measurables again? Six foot two, two twenty. Oh, okay. Rice and John situation. Yeah, two six foot two, two twenty four. Um, his speed is below average, but he is a smooth runner, Justin. Um, but like if he was at the combine, the only forty times for wide receivers that would have been slower would have been uh, Traylon Burks. Oh, look, he's a first rounder. Kyle Phillips and David Bell. Um, Notable names. Yeah, kind of are. Uh, he's smooth getting in and out of his cuts. Like there's there's no waste of steps, and then the release. Like he releases through the DB. He gets vertical. He stays square. That being said, he's not playing the best of competition, so it's a lot easier. You can use his physicality more versus those guys. But when he does, he stacks well. And again, he really has some nice contested catches. Like great leaper. Like contorts his body really well. Always catches it. Like he's he's a fun player to watch because some of these awesome catch. Like like he'll burn. He'll get a guy deep. And they'll underthrow the ball, and he'll come back and just snag it. And again, it's against worse competition, but it's cool to see that. And again, he'll have better he'll have better QBs throwing him the ball uh, if he ever gets a chance. Um, and he, like when he's working deep, he does use some decent routes. So it's it's this isn't going to be you know if we were doing pre draft, I would not do put him on the podcast because it's kind of hard to evaluate him without you know, seeing the competition and not having all 22. Um, but he's an exciting UDFA, like a, a guy who can make some crazy catches like that. Like to me, he's a lot more exciting than the, the wide receiver out of Michigan. Um, uh, Dalen Baldwin. Like I, I'm more excited for Andre than I am Baldwin. Is this your bet for making a, a fun, splashy play in the, the preseason? I don't know. I don't know. I got to watch the defensive guys first. Um, Offensive. But I'm, I'm Offensive. very excited to see him play in the preseason. I'll say that. Like he makes a, you know, we're we're talking. He's going to get a preseason touchdown. I'm going to call that right now. All right, yeah, that that's basically what I was trying to get you. I was trying to get you to that spot. Brian Lewerke to Andre Miller touchdown. I'm calling what about it right Davis now. Webb. You know what I was Ooh, thinking about today? Davis Webb does throw some contested catches in the preseason. You know, I was thinking about that today, Bobby. I was thinking like, man, like are they're not going to play Jones and Tyrod that much in the preseason. They're going to play Davis Webb. He's yeah. going to get a quarter, at least. And, and Andre Miller is going to catch a touchdown from him. Calling that right now. Excited for that. Excited for that. Are you excited for Andre Miller? Yeah, he caught a ball against the bush. Yeah, that was pretty funny. He went, he like fell into the bushes after. But, I mean, I'm telling you, man. Like, you go watch it. And not just like, like uh, you can go watch his highlight film and you'll see it too. Um but you watch like the individual games, and it's like, dude, that's a sick ass catch. Like he just he, he like he goes up and gets. He makes him just wild, contor- like, contorts his body while makes those catches. So, um, with that speed, it's again, he's a UDFA. He probably never make a team, but that size and that ability to contest it makes you think like, do you use him as like a as a mismatch tight end? Like like what what ends up happening with Andre Miller? We shall see. Excited for preseason. Excited for camp. I very am excited for Andre. You always fall in love with like the the small school guys for preseason. All right, next on the list, offensive line. Uh, Josh Revis out of Kansas State, 6'6", 320 pounds. I don't know if those numbers are verified, um, but he did have a pro day where he, he was pretty bad. Ran a five through three vertical jump at twenty six inches, twenty five bench press reps. That was nice. Two year starter at guard. Um, 
I will say this. I like him more than Brett Heggie and Josh Burton, the UDFAs from last year. Yes. But again, we have I maybe liked Heggie a little bit more. But we have more depth. Heggie, there's there's some things Heggie does better. Heggie can move a little better. But um, Revis... Are we I, asking... I, uh, did you, do you want verification on measurables? Yeah. Is he 6'6", 320? I have 6'5", 330. Okay. Then 6'5", 330. Yep. Um, so... My note says very athletic, but I meant to say very unathletic. So yeah, I just read that. Um, he's very unathletic. Like he's ve- his foot speed is very slow and lumbering, um, but he's strong, and I think he has like somewhat solid technique. Like his his ba- his stance for one is very wide, so that means his feet stay wide. Um, there's like no crossover in in the pass pro, uh, and again, I think he does have a strong wide base and even stronger hands. Um, that being said, in the past, his hands, like a lot of guys, his hands come in low and hooking instead of punching and shooting. Um, but he has that ability to bench press guys and keep guys out of his chest. Like he 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 torques guys well with his hands. You know the way you know people fell in love with Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. Like I think Josh Revis can do just that that kind of stuff. Um, and his hand placement is mostly pretty good once he gets there and, and with decent reworking. Um, in the run game, he has the first steps are like are solid, but they're slow. And the punch is nice too, but he's just very slow out of his stance. So if you're running wide zone, like he'll kind of work his hips and work his hands, but guys are just getting in his chest because he gets off the ball slow. Um, and he plays and, very upright too, I think. Yeah, and he just doesn't because he's slow. He doesn't. He's not able to bring that pop in the run game. Um, but that being said, when he's working to the second level or pulling, like he actually, it's I, I say the word patience, but it may just be slow. But he kind of <laughs> he kind of lands well. It's effective. Um, it's yeah, it's effective it's, is it's the best way to describe so. it. Again, he's got very slow lumbering look feet, great. so he's you know he's most likely going to be cut and not make the roster, especially with a lot of the depth the Giants added. Um, but there are like you like go watch his game versus Iowa State, and you're like, this is good film, you know. But you you just see the 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 athleticism is is an issue. Yeah, I think his his best trait is kind of just turning his body, and his ass is facing a ball carrier. And there's a, a lot yeah, of times. Yeah, guys really well. There's a lot of times where, yeah, he's not dominating it, but he's not kicking anybody's ass unless it's a down block. If it's a down block, he'll take guys for a ride when he kind of gets to lean and when he got he he's not a he doesn't look small like he looks like a no big, he's big as shit. Yeah, he's a big guy, so when he can kind of get leaning on guys and on those down blocks, he takes guys for a ride. Uh, but so do a lot you know a lot of offensive linemen kind of benefit from that. But uh. You know, I do think even on those non-down blocks, um, it's a it's just hey, I'm just gonna have my ass facing the ball carrier, and a lot of times you see that ball carrier run by, and they're big gains, they're big gains, and it's and, it, and he's effective in how he does that. So um, it's not sexy, but it's effective, and I think that's the best way to kind of describe uh, you know this guy as a player. It's he's it's not, it doesn't look great, it's not very athletic, but he's effective. So. Yeah, he has like good game film. It's just again that athleticism issue is is very big. Yep, um, and will get you in trouble in the NFL. All right, last on the offensive UDFA's of 2022, wide receiver out of Michigan, Daylin Baldwin, six foot one, two hundred eighteen pounds, um, bad pro day. Ran a four six five forty, which would have been the second slowest out of all wide receivers. I have four seven at the comp. That might have been his low, but or, you know, the, again, this is what happens. Sucks about pro days. You don't get official numbers. Um, for Michigan, he only had 17 catches this past year, um, and a lot, of, a lot of uh, his playing time was in Mamba. Like he just didn't, he just didn't make the really ro- the rotation much for Michigan. He didn't get much playing time. Um, 
He was a transfer from Morgan State, and then he transferred to Jackson State with Deion Sanders. So he actually played 13 games in 2021 because those Jackson State games were in the spring of this past year. And then he went, then he transferred to Michigan, where he just didn't get a lot of run. Um, to me, just slow, bad change of direction. Um, you get him at full stride. There's some de- like, okay, that's nice, but he just, you know, he's not going to be that type of guy. Uh, so his, his speed's always going to give him an issue separating. Um, I'm not really a big fan of Dalen Baldwin. Let's be real. Like, he catches the ball on his pads. But there is some spectacular ones you look at at Jackson State. But also at Jackson State, you got some smaller guys. Uh, a ball that's not thrown as hard as it would be at Michigan or in the NFL. So it's easier to, to uh, uh, you know, to react to it. Um, on his releases, like, he just, they're not consistent. And he gets pushed out towards the sideline. He's not able to stay vertical. Has some really nice ones, though, too. Like, there's some really nice releases that embarrass corners. Um, route rush, like, but his route running, I think it's actually decent. Um, like, he does a jo- solid job working into a corner's blind spots. Um, he works I think he back runs to his the- routes hard. I think he runs them hard and with purpose. Yeah, and he works back lazy. to the ball. Yeah, he works like on curls, outs, digs. Like he works back to the ball on those. But also part of that is like he's not moving at a very fast speed, so it's a little easier to make those those routes a little sharp. Um, and even then, there's too many steps, and he's gearing down with guys in his pocket. So, um, I don't like him. That's you know, I'm the little kid, you know, trying peas for the first time. I was like, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like Dale Baldwin. Yeah, I don't even think he caught 20 balls this year at Michigan. It's 17. 17 he transferred a couple times so has had trouble kind of finding finding his place in the ncaa i'm not even sure if one of those seasons had a lot of production but hey if you go to michigan from some smaller schools and you don't even get 20 catches and you're trying to go into the draft um you know that, that that's tough he's praised for his work ethic and, and his character that's something that i saw um i think he could if he has a role in the preseason he has a role in the training camp it's going to be, hey, this guy's going to catch deep balls. He's going to be this designated deep ball target. Um, and this is another guy where, you know, hey, it, it may not be as much of a slam dunk as Andre Miller, but you can see Baldwin. If he's wide open and if uh, coverage and if there's like a break in coverage in the fourth quarter for preseason game, which likely there may be, um, if Baldwin's running wide open, I could see him getting a getting an easy touchdown. So. Yeah, there's just the athleticism isn't very good. Like he and he's like slow with the ball in his hand. He's just um, I don't like. There him are much. sometimes where I wanted to like him though because we have some Michigan people who listen to the pod, and I was like, oh sweet, a Michigan wide receiver, but he just doesn't do do. There it for are me. sometimes though when he because he is a very he's a big play machine. Whenever he does get the ball in his hands, I want to call him a machine. Machine, machine. Hey, hey, we're 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 really we're we're searching for. He had that really here. nice catch from JJ McCarthy versus Western Michigan where he threw the ball across his body to the other side of the field. Like, that was a nice play. There's sometimes he look like he looks like he's the fastest guy in the field. So that's why I was surprised to see the 4-7. Mm. Yeah, well, the only time he got on the field at Michigan is when they were up 50. So. Wow. First Western Michigan. Man, so he did, he did I hope Dalen faster. Baldwin proves you wrong, you sour old I man. hope he does too. But, I, you know, I kind of wow. wanted to like a little jitterbug or somebody, you know. Um, you know, give, give Charleston Rambo some guarantee that's why, money. That's why we got Wendell Robinson, all right? We, we, we who's got, we the got guy that Tonys. we signed at like the first day of free agency, even though he's on a futures contract for who's from the Bills and from oh, Alabama? Yeah. Like, I forgot I about think him. He's got a better chance than Dalen Baldwin. All right, tough for um, Dalen Baldwin. It's like uh, the nose tackle who we drafted, DJ Davidson. DJ Davidson, and now 
Baldwin who's just getting the mat treatment. I mean, it's the UDFA episode. There had to be one guy that got the mat treatment. All right. Um, well, there's probably going to be more on the defensive one, right? Well, yeah, there's ten guys, so we'll we'll see what we got. We'll probably be mad the- about three. I think uh, Tamon Fox, the UNC guy, like I think supposedly he had some good reps for Icky. Um, so that'll be nice. We got an FAU corner. I love my FAU players. Um, so the episode's not finished though. No, Justin, we are inducting our fifth member of the Talking Giants Ring of Honor. I want to remind you the the Ring of Honor members right now. Dave Tollison, who was basically the creator of the award. He's like, I never won an award. We're like, we'll give you an award. We'll create a Ring he of won Honor. A Super Bowl. Yeah. I guess an individual award. Yeah. So we we <laughs> we we created it. And then Anthony Tomano, who was a big part of us, he was the fourth member of Talking Giants. He yep. added a lot of value, who obviously tragically passed. Um, license plate guy was the third one. And then Nick Gates was the fourth one after he did the Talking Giants versus the World tweet last summer. Um, and then the fifth one, we got a little quick five-minute uh, interview with him, was the star of the NFL draft, and that was Sam Prince, the, the, the guy who uh, announced – the pick, you know, part of the Make a Wish uh, Foundation. Uh, he so he announced the Cave on Thibodeau pick. It was a star. He's making the media rounds, by the way. Like I saw, he went on Arts Pod. He went on with um, the Dan New York Schneier. Revival guys. He oh, he went on with Dan Schneier too. He did, yeah. Oh man, I feel a little late on this, but again, did anyone? Did any of those people put him in a Ring of Honor and give him a T-shirt? I don't this think true. so. So and he said and he said talking giants versus the world without us even having to ask him for it. Um, so we've known Sam for a long time. So when we saw that it was his name, uh, that he was going to be the one. So we were pretty exciting. So here's uh, five minutes and giving him the news. He didn't know that he was getting the Ring of Honor inductee. Here's Sam Prince. All right, welcome back to the show. And now we want to introduce someone very, very special, the superstar of New York. I would say the first, and Kayvon Thibodeau is the second superstar in New York, Sam Prince, the person, the guy who introduced Kayvon Thibodeau as the fifth overall pick of the 2022 NFL Draft. Sam, we thought that draft week wouldn't be complete without having you here. How are you doing, brother? Thanks for joining us for a few. I'm doing fantastic, Justin and Bobby. Thanks for having me on today. And, you know, call me the superstar of the draft. That's kind of crazy to think about because I was well, the you one are. to the pick. It's crazy. You are, man. Bob, you're muted. Oh, great job. Wait, this is Sam. Sam you're there was a lot of, of people now. that did picks and they, you know, they gave like 10 minute speeches. Yours was perfect. Like get everybody crown, pumped up, get, give the name and then, and then celebrate with them. I mean, you were, you really were a star and it's, it's kind of cool. Like it was a very proud moment. It's like, oh yeah, we've talked with Sam, you know, we've known Sam for a while. Like he, you know, you're wearing the Andrew Thomas Jersey. You did the interview with him uh, a couple of years ago after he was drafted and we kind of connected through that. And then it's like, you know, you see that you see, they, they do these type of things every year, but then you see the name like Sam Prince. I'm like, oh, yeah, Sam Prince is our guy. So we were very happy and excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. And talk of Giants versus the world. Mm. And, and that feels good to say because, you know, you're just on the stage in Las Vegas. You did the rich, you know, uh, or, you know, the, uh, the, the, like the desk uh, for the NFL network and everything. Um, it, it was pretty exciting. What was like, I know this probably, you probably gotten this question a million times. What was your favorite like moment from like the whole weekend? It's got to be announcing the pick. How nervous were you for that? So I was very nervous. The most nerve-wracking part was pronouncing the player's name because – That Justin has issues with that too. I, he yeah, still does I, uh, it wrong. Thibodeau. Thibodeau was the issue, but no, it's yeah. it's, it's Tibbs. It's, yeah. it's Tibbs. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to say a wrong name, and I thought, you know, I thought Tibbs would have been gone, and I thought they are going to pick mm-hmm. pick Akeem Aquano, and not knowing how you pronounce Akeem Aquano <laughs> – 
correctly is like, <gasps> like, how do you do that? You know, it's like, I'm like Akeem Aquana, Akeem Aquana, Akeem Aquana. Mm. Here's a question I have. And I just thought of this because I never, I never knew this. Do they tell you the name before you go on the stage? Or are you reading it for the first time when you open it? Yeah. So I don't have the card with me, but uh, I ble- I'm bleeding blue. I'll get it because this is my room. And I, it's it's in some files. I have to get it out. So they give you the card. It says with the fifth overall pick, the New York football, the New York Giants select. Mm. I put football in there. That was and, a good move. It's great. You know, it wasn't in there. I asked the Giants if I could, and they said they would be glad for me to have mm. in there. That's a pro's pro move right there. Mm-hmm. And then it said Kayvon, and then how he pronounces his last name phonetically on it. Mm. Okay, that's pretty cool. Behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I've so, always wondered that. I was like, I was like, are these guys like like Darius Slayton did it last year? And I was like, man, it'd be awkward for Darius Slayton if he had like to announce a wide receiver or something. But yeah. the real reason we brought you on today, and you're gonna go on Bleeding Blue and do a full interview with them uh next week with Justin and Snacks, is we had Dave Tolleson on the show uh, a couple years ago, and he talked about like he just mentioned like we don't have an you know an award, and we're like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make up the talking giants ring of honor for Dave mm-hmm. Tolleson. Um so we just made it. And then we had a member of our team, Anthony Tomano, um, who like he was really important to us. He was like a brother and he uh, passed away. And so he was the second oh. one. And then license plate guy has always been supported. He was a third. Last year, Nick Gage tweeted Talking Giants versus the world after he came on the show with us. He became the fourth member. Sam, we 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 felt and we we don't force these, you know, people like put this guy in the ring of honor. Put the, it's like, no, it's like it, it has to happen naturally. And Justin called me yesterday and like, we got to put Sam Prince in the ring of honor. And this is, and it's super corny, mm-hmm. but it is something I take seriously. And when Justin said that, I didn't even think for half a second, like Justin knows me, like I'm very hesitant on some things. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So Sam Prince, you are, we'd like to welcome you as the fifth member of the talking giants ring of honor. Probably the worst uh, honor you've gotten all week. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a high honor. Thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I just found the card in my draw. I was just going through the files and with my hand. And this is actually the file. I know this is a little off topic. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, I like it. So we got right here with the fifth pick in the 2022 draft, the New York Giants select Kayvon Thibodeau. See, that's how he pronounces it, like spells. Mm. And then right here is um, the phonetically and right. defensive end Oregon. And then it's uh, Roger Goodell's signature right there. Boom, right on. Boom. Sam, this is the last thing. What's your favorite number? Because we're going to make like a Ring of Honor shirt and we do like your name and number on the back. My favorite number is 14. 14. Any reasoning behind that? Yeah, that is. Sorry, I coughed a little bit. Yeah, that's the day I got my heart transplant. Oh, okay. That's didn't know that. So that is a, a special. So you're doing well. Everything's going well. You know, we're going to, we'll, we'll close it out here in a second, but you're doing well with everything. Going, everything's fantastic. I'm on cloud nine. Well, Sam, right. we appreciate you. You'll be you'll do a full interview where you can share a little more on Bleeding Blue next week. But uh, and we know you've you're like the busiest man in media right now. Uh, before, actually, last second, what's the name mm. of your podcast so people can go check it out? My podcast is called Prince on the Pod. And after I've done my homework tonight, we'll air a recording. I am doing my own experience firsthand, little 15, 20 minutes talk about my experience and what this whole process was like for me. Right now, well, links are in the description. To- yeah, right, yeah, we'll put the this. links for everything, Sam. We really do appreciate you coming on and and uh, being the fifth member of the Talking Giants Ring of Honor. Thank you. All right, thank you, Sam Prince. That was that was pretty cool. I'm very happy for him. Uh, 
definitely the most important thing that's happened to him in the last week was definitely being a talking giant ring of honor member <laughs> i kind of want to ask him so yeah we are going to be interviewing sam prince on bleeding blue this monday uh, it's a separate show on podcast apps and then it's a you know it's a history show that we include on the talking giants youtube as well so we're gonna have a full conversation with him on monday i kind of want to ask him where do we rank on the hierarchy of people like talking with us where do we rank on the hierarchy of people that you've talked with the last week um, i'm gonna make what- him rank those people yeah, well, we'll just go like, all right, let's go. Well, like, let's just look at the podcast charts and see which one that you've been on. Like, oh, the top, there's us. You know, does like, Eli Manning have a top ten show in the country right now? No, no, we're bigger than Eli Manning. We're bigger yeah. stars than Eli. Even though I have Eli's jersey, Eli. Has- I didn't realize everyone he'd be such a hot commodity for all these people. Well, he should. He he is an absolute superstar. Like he will forever be associated, forever be associated with. Hopefully, if the Giants do turn this thing around, which I they have faith that they do, right? If the Giants turn this thing around, that fifth pick is going to be the start of it all, man. It is going to be the start of it all. And having that moment with hopefully a superstar player, that moment's not the same. That moment is not the same if it's Evan Neal. It's not. It's not. The I same. agree. But the fact maybe that it's that's with why Kayvon, they went Kavon. The fact that it's with Kavon and they had that moment together. We will hopefully look back at that moment and remember how happy we are that Sam is kind of like that manifestation of like us fans and how we feel. No doubt. I wanted to talk about London a little bit, but let's maybe that will come to pass. Excited. We'd Schedule. like to go. We try to we try to figure it out. So we appreciate you guys. Make sure to tune in to the defensive UDFA episode next week. And we're gonna bring it back a mailbag. I haven't done a mailbag in like over two months, so we'll do that uh next week as well. So we appreciate you guys. Enjoy a weekend. Like, seriously, enjoy the weekend. Relax. It's been a while since we've been able to relax during a weekend, even though I'll be grounding out defensive tackles from the Florida Gators UDFA film. But we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Big Blue.